Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day. Welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thanks for being here. This is a tri-weekly podcast that hopes to help you all make your day be better than yesterday. That's it. That's what we're here to do. Been here since 2013. Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm here with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a TV host. I'm an author. I'm a motorcycle rider. I'm an electric mobility enthusiast. What else am I? I'm a Turkish get-up kettlebell guy sometimes. Well, I am today, at least. I'm a, honey, can you go get the thing from under the thing and fold the thing out because and the leaf blower? Because the people are coming over tonight. I'm that guy. <laughs> and... Um, I'm grateful you're here. If you ever need me, you can find me. Send us your email at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Wednesday shows, uh, I basically what I did is I asked uh, Bree, who helps us out with the research, Bree Steele. I said, just go find your favorite episodes that you from the past and, you know, ones that you're interested in and um, get a couple of bits out of them and you know, we'll play them out on Wednesdays. Uh, so hopefully if you like what you hear on this episode, there's a whole long version of this show to listen to. But there's hundreds and hundreds of interviews to listen to and I thoroughly recommend you dive into the back catalogue. And I'm grateful to bring you the best bits of my chat today with Ben St. Lawrence, who is a long-distance runner that has represented Australia at the Olympics two times in his life. He did it first in London in 2012. He did it again in Rio de Janeiro in 2016, not long before we spoke, actually. It takes a lot of self-control and a lot of consistency to become an elite athlete like Ben. Uh, so I asked Ben when he was young, the discipline that athletics required, what that gave him in his life. Well, I guess I'm a bit of a different story in that at, at a high school age, I didn't have the dedication or the time management skills or the, the level of concentration to, to be a really good runner. So I was a good runner and I got by on a bit of natural talent. But I think being involved in sport was definitely, definitely helpful. For me, you know, from a small town in the Blue Mountains, I would make the state cross-country team every year. So then we would travel away to nationals and you'd get that real team bonding and you'd get to meet kids from all around Australia and that sort of thing. And I think all the way through my career, the people you meet and the places you travel are probably one of the biggest things that I've gotten out of running. But yeah, through high school, I 
wasn't the best student and definitely not the best athlete. And I did get led astray or not, not led astray. I went down a few um, paths that we often do in high school and was heavily into binge drinking and partying and that sort of thing. But I guess if I hadn't had running to sort of pull me back every now and then, maybe I would have gone much further down those paths. So uh, my idea was always have a bit of fun in high school. And then when you finish high school, take running seriously, you know, really try and make the Olympics, see what I could do. Um, Unfortunately, I went to, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, I went to a university out at Bathurst and it was a nice social university. And instead of focusing on my running, I ended up getting, yeah, even more carried away into the social side of things. So, <laughs> McClay, that one? Uh, it was Charles Sturt Uni Charles at Sturt. Bathurst. So it used to be called Mitchell College. Mitchell, um, that's it, yeah, the Mitchell Mafia. Yeah, so yeah, the Mitchell that's Mafia. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everyone. In Australia, if you work in broadcasting, pretty luckily you've been to that, yeah, that uni. Yeah, I can't really turn the TV or radio on without bumping into someone that I went to uni with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the first year of uni out there, it was the year 2000 and, you know, the Olympics were on in Sydney and it was this sport, sport, sport. And I had a coach by correspondence who was writing me my programs and I was just not doing it. And I felt guilty all the time and I was hung over and this and that. And so instead of quitting drinking to focus on running, I ended up quitting running so that I could focus on drinking <laughs> and take that guilt out a different way. And the idea was to have one year of enjoying, enjoying university, getting a good education, but having a lot of fun. But yeah, once I, I sort of let go of running, that year turned into two, yeah. turned into three. I put on a lot of weight, got extremely unhealthy. And yeah, it wasn't really until I, I guess I kind of hit a rock bottom that I, I started getting active again. And initially it was just to, to get healthy. You know, I bought a bike and started trying to ride places, joined a gym, you know, just, just trying to get, get healthy again. And uh, I started- How unhealthy are we, are we talking here? Oh, like I was getting sick a lot. I was probably 20 kilos heavier than I am now. I was out drinking a lot. Um, yeah, treating my body like a garbage dump basically. And yeah. I think for a couple of years I'd gotten away with it because I was such a healthy, you know, active person uh-huh. as a youngster that I could sort of treat my body like shit and it would somehow bounce back and bounce back. But then eventually it stopped bouncing back. And then what was the moment that you went, that's it, I'm done. I think there was a couple, like, there were just a couple of moments where I'd wake up, not exactly sure what had happened the night before. I remember one that I, I tell people, I woke up and I was in this very small, very dark room and I could taste blood and there was something I, I had gravel in my mouth and then I realised <clears throat> it wasn't a very small room. My head was inside an esky <laughs> and uh, I took it off and I just had this terrible feeling that last night hadn't gone so well. I looked around and I was in a house. I didn't even know where I was and it turned out, it, it, you know, I'd just been an absolute piece of shit the night before, getting in fights with my friends and I'd, yeah, been found asleep in this person's front yard and they'd taken me in and yeah obviously I'd gotten a little ill so they'd give me an esky and somehow it'd end up on my head overnight but so that was one of them but I think yeah for me it just it was at the point where I I think I looked in the mirror and just thought who's this guy you know he's pretty fat he looks unhealthy probably couldn't run to save his life you know not playing any sport out till all hours of the night multiple nights of the week I had a lot of good friends at the time, but also every now and then I'd look around and I'm just thinking, who are these people that I'm, I'm hanging out with? I've got nothing in common with them. And it turned out I probably did at the time, but I didn't feel like I did. So Drinking. Drinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I remember I just, um, yeah, I just made a decision like, all right, I've got to get healthy. And so yeah. I started thinking about some of the things that I liked doing. It was swimming and riding a bike and, mm. you know, I think I started playing a bit of touch footy and... Fortunately, I had a job in a bar at the time, so that allowed me to still go out because I had massive FOMO. I was always, I wanted to be out. I didn't mm. want to be at home. I was always worried about missing out on things. So, yeah, it took me a while to 
you know, I'd have a really good week and then massive blowout on the weekend and then mm. I'd, I'd feel really guilty about that and then I'd get going again. It might be two weeks of healthy living and then big blowout. And I realised that I kind of needed to change where I was. So I, I left uh, Bathurst, moved to Sydney, and that, that's when things sort of started getting mm. rolling. I was living more of a healthy lifestyle and I still couldn't quite break free of those weekend binge sessions. Um, so I ended up moving up to far north Queensland with a mate of mine who was up there and started selling pay TV door-to-door Commission only, so I was on my feet all day. In the Ostar van? Active. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in the yeah, van. Yeah, so wow. we, were, we were door knockers. Listeners probably hate door knockers, but um, it was an interesting existence. And I actually think that that helped me shed some some weight. I was on my all feet walking. walking all the yeah. time. And living, we were living in Palm Cove up near Port Douglas. It was a beautiful spot to live. And, yeah, that just helped me really break free of all of the, mm. the, the bad habits and the connections that I had in, in Sydney. And so, um, yeah. Or Sydney and Bathurst and yes I was training I still wouldn't say I was training like an athlete but I was training like a healthy individual and yeah I remember on a couple of those runs I'd I would just feel amazing like I was thinking geez I must be running really fast here I'm, I'm getting quite fit and so I started thinking about getting into some races again and with this selling Star stuff we ended up moving down to Victoria to run our own territory of it uh, down in the Gippsland um, down near Traralgon that sort of area and that was in 2006 while the Commonwealth Games were on down in Melbourne and so we decided to go in and watch a few of the events. And, uh, yeah, I remember watching Craig Mottram run the 5K down there, taking it to the Africans, running one of the greatest championship races of all time. He ended up with silver, but I still get goosebumps thinking about it. And I just, I just remember watching that and also seeing guys that I used to compete with in high school out there wearing the green and gold running for their country. And I'd kind of been through this whole up and down and around journey. And I was sitting there with a mate of mine who, not an athlete at all, but knew that I wanted you know, had been one when I was young and he'd probably heard me every New Year's Day for 10 years saying, all right, this year I'm going to get back into my running. And I remember saying, all right, I think I'm going to try and make the next Commonwealth Games. And he kind of laughed at me and said, mate, if you make the next, because he'd heard it so many times, he said, mm. if you make the next Commonwealth Games, I'll come and watch you. And it was four years later, I made the team in Delhi, ran the 5K and the 10K, ended up coming seventh in both. And my mate, true to his word, was sitting in the stands over there watching. It's amazing hearing Ben's story, right? It's quite clear there is no conventional path to success. It might, might take you a little longer to get there. You might go it about a different way, but you can get there. Keep your eye on it. Move towards it a little bit every day. Correct your course. It's there. After the Commonwealth Games, Ben went on to become an Australian Olympian. I always wondered, what's it like to get that phone call? Well, it's interesting. So the first time I qualified for the Olympics, I... So to make the team for the Australian track and field team, you need to run a qualifying time, mm-hmm. but then you also, to some degree, need to finish high, in a high enough place at the trials. So for my first Olympics, uh, which were London in 2012, I actually ran the qualifying time on the very first day you were able to. So I was at a race over in the US at Stanford University. Um, they'd actually put that race back a day, I think, because they realised that the, the Olympic qualification window had opened. So oh. it was meant to be the, the, the day before, but it ended up being the first day of qualification and things hadn't been going great for me leading up to it. I'd been, you know, having some training slumps, things like that. Um, but thankfully it all came together on the night and I ended up breaking the Australian 10K record, uh, ran a 40-second PB and was 21 seconds under the Olympic A standard. So that was box one ticked, but it was so far in advance that you're like, you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. And also, interestingly, we have our 10K Olympic trial or national championships in December. So it's not traditionally when most other people would have it. So that year, 
well, every year it's down in Melbourne at the Zatopec uh, Classic and I was lucky enough to win it on that night. So in basically in December and the Olympics weren't, you know, until halfway through the next year. So I basically knew that I was on the Olympic team that time. So crossing the line in Melbourne that night was amazing. I had some friends and family there and I basically knew that barring injury or some something crazy happening, I was going to be on the Olympic team. Wow. And so, but you were the first Aussie to qualify in 12 years? Well, yeah, there hadn't been anyone since 2000. Yeah. Yeah, so there was no one, no men in the 10K in uh, Athens or Beijing. So, yeah, that was pretty cool to to make the team for London and uh, and then, yeah. So at that time, I don't know if there ever really was a phone call, but right. uh, for this last one, I was... But, it, so, uh, but I'm just asking because it's not like, say, for example, with, uh, I don't know, soccer or cycling or, or something like that, you know, there's a selector that will go, okay, you're on the squad. Yeah. You just have to get over a certain time set by an international standard. Yeah. Like every one of it can go faster than this. If you can go faster than this, you, you can get in a heat yep. at the Olympics. Yep. Wow, yep. that's great. Yeah, so... The time was 27.45 for London and I ran 27.24 that year, so it was well under. And for Rio, it was, uh, they, they, they scrapped the A and the B standard. They just had one time and it was 28 minutes. And so also at Stanford, this time in 2015, I ran 27.44, which was my third fastest time ever. And it was one second under the qualification for the World Championships in Beijing that I ended up missing with a torn hamstring. But it was well under the Olympic standard. So that was great, but... I then tore my hamstring yeah. and had to have months off training. And so that there was no way of me running the selection trials that year in Melbourne. So then it became a matter of seeing what the other Aussies did, who else ran the qualifying times, who won the trial, and then trying to show the selectors that I'd recovered from the hamstring surgery and was, was fit enough to make the team. So I, David McNeil, who also ran a qualifying time in that race in Stanford. He was about half a second behind me. He won the trial and so he was an automatic selection. So that was awesome. We were definitely going to have at least one 10K guy at the Rio Olympics. Um, and then, you know, things progressed really well for me and I was able to run the 5K selection trial in, I think it was late March or early April and I was third there. Uh-huh. Almost won that only a, a second or so off the win and I guess that was enough to show the selectors that I was recovered from hamstring surgery. So I was actually at my London training base uh, just at a cafe doing some work and my phone rang and I was like, I don't recognise this number, but I answered it and it was someone from Athletics Australia to say, selectors have met, you're on the team for Rio. And even though I, I sort of knew I would be, it was such a good call to get. And so, yeah, yeah I was, it was a pretty miserable day in London that day, but I was walking around, just big smile on my face. And uh, Who's the first person you call after you get that call? Uh, well, I think I called my parents, but it was, yeah, you know, they, would, they had sort of expected it as well. But <laughs> I was staying with some friends um, in London at the time, a, a mate of mine from up in the Blue Mountains who's over there playing professional rugby and his wife, who I was really good friends with. And so I kind of got back and we we're having dinner and chatting and stuff and talking about how their days were. And so I think I said, oh, yeah, I got the call today. I, I've made the Olympic team. And <laughs> to me, it's kind of, you know, because I, I've done it before. And at the time, I'm surrounded by this other group of people over there yeah. training who the Olympics is just what you do and everyone's mm-hmm. preparing for it. And I made one before. So you sort of forget how special it is. And so they, they blew up at me. They're like, what? And we're not out celebrating. And so they made sure the next next night we went out and had a nice meal and a, had a beer to celebrate. But yeah, it's funny when you, as a kid, if someone had said, you're going to make two Olympics, I would have you know, thought that was the most amazing thing ever. But when you're immersed in that lifestyle and surrounded by other people, that's just what they do. It's sort of- I'm busy in the just, backyard here in Bathurst trying to figure out how to make a bucket bong out <laughs> yeah. of this Everfail water bottle. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, so- <laughs> Yeah, so that was quite funny and it sort of brought, brought me back to realise, yeah, you should be pretty pumped to be, you know, making Olympic teams wow. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Amazing story. 
What a story. It is so important to celebrate your wins. I have just a little bit more of Ben to share with you. You might hear an ad right here. If you do, thanks for helping us keep the lights on. Thanks for helping us pay everyone that makes a show with me. If you don't, we'll get right back to Ben. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ben St. Lawrence has always had a lot of movement and a lot of momentum in his life. Like you, like me, he has had times when he's lost momentum. He's fallen off the wagon, I guess, of health and exercise and looking after yourself. So I asked him, what's it like when he's injured, when he loses momentum? The highs are amazing, but the lows are pretty, pretty tough as well. I guess one of my, my worst injuries would probably be I tore my hamstring um, in 2015, a couple of weeks before I was meant to be running for Australia at the World Championships in Beijing. So you go from, you know, being in pretty good shape, you've got all these goals ahead of you, you're about to fly out, you know, join the Australian team, that sort of thing. And then next thing you're, you know, in a doctor's waiting room just being told that you, you're going to have to have surgery and, and it's it's a low moment. And then add to that the fact that, you're not able to run during those bad weeks as well, which is a, something that usually makes you feel better and gets all those hormones cranking. So it can be a really low low moment. But I guess the thing that I've always tried to do and, and been quite good at is, you know, you just need to realise where you are. So for, for me then it was, okay, the hamstring's torn. There's nothing I can do about that. World champs are over. Don't worry about that. You can, you can watch the race if you want. You can support your friends or you can ignore it completely. So from then on, it is, okay, what do I need to do right now to get me one step closer to where I want to be? What do I need to do tomorrow? Uh, what do I want to be doing two weeks from now? And then it's just back into it, you know? Sort of like I did initially, it was like, okay, I want to be running 10 minutes by the end of this week and then, you know, double that and add in some sessions, go to the pool, all that sort of stuff. And I think for me, I've also either been mentoring, coaching or, or working as well. So I've never really been a full-time athlete, maybe about six months or so leading up to the London Olympics. So I've just tried to put some energy back into those other areas. And the one that really helped me was um, coaching other people. So, you know, things aren't going great for me. I'm doing what I can, but then let's try and focus on how well everyone else is doing and, and try and draw some positivity from their good results, that sort of thing. So, and then you do that for long enough and next thing you know, you're back in reasonable shape and, you know, there's always, for me there has always been another race. So, you know, it might not go well, you might be disappointed, but a little bit of self-pity and, and learn what you can and then move forward. So, <laughs> what, do you, what do you get out of coaching others and helping others? Um, well, I think I feel like I've learnt so much along the way from 
you know, what I went through, but also from being able to travel and talk to so many people in our sport all around the world that I just thought it'd be good to try and help other people and, and yeah, share some of that knowledge. So, yeah, I've worked in a, a bunch of different roles. I was um, an in-house health and wellbeing consultant for ING Australia and ANZ and so tried to just help make those companies healthy and productive while I was there and it was a, it was a really good role. Then I worked with the Michelle Bridges 12-week body transformation, helped write those running programs and I was an online support crew member for that, which was really good. I was able to help people going through lifestyle change and there's a lot of, a, a, you know, a mindset side to that as well. But also that was an online job, so it allowed me to make a bit of money while I was travelling around the world trying to chase my own running dreams. Um, but then, yeah, about a year and a half to two years ago, business a friend of mine, Gary Howard, he's been my massage therapist and sort of assistant coach over the years. We started our own business called Run Crew. And basically we, yeah, we just help people achieve their running goals. And so for me, that was really much more hands-on, you know, rather than sort of coming in here and there and, and answering questions where we're able to do the programming and run the sessions and help plan races, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, it's been great watching people go through some of those positive changes that I went through myself as well. When you are coaching, because you can do everything but run it for them, you know. So what are you trying to what are you trying to fuel people's brains with when they when they come to you and they're like, this is this is what I want to do. I don't think I can. Or. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Everyone's different. So some people come and we need to, you know, as far as the mindset goes, we need to convince them that they're capable of possibly more than they realise they can. Other people come to us and we need to almost pull them back a little bit and say, look, that's. It's not, not, not trying to crush your dreams or anything, but that's a long way down the track. Let's, um, let's just get the process in place now and, and try and focus on areas that we can improve. And so, yeah, the, the main thing I've realised is that everyone is different. And so, yeah, I guess it's just about getting that work done initially and then, mm. you know, let's, let's choose a race and let's believe that anything's possible and absolutely attack it. The corporate stuff's interesting that companies of that size are putting someone like you on staff. Yeah, uh, I guess someone along the way figured out, well, if the people are fit, they're going to make us more money. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, it's sad that it comes back to that. And that's not always the motivation, but um, it's an added bonus that yeah. if, if it, there has been research done where for every dollar spent on a good health and wellbeing program, you can end up saving, I don't know, four or five. I haven't looked at it for a number of years, but yeah, a, a fitter company is uh, more productive. So when they get to work, they're probably working harder, but they're also less sick days. Um, they feel more engaged. It's a great way for people from different parts of the business to get together and exercise at lunchtime, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of positives involved in that sort of stuff. Do you think there's a future where we, it won't just be those massive corporates that can afford to do that? Do you think there's a future where it'll be a part of just kind of business cultures? I going think so. Forward? I think it needs to be. People are spending longer and longer at work. So if they can get that sort of stuff. But also at home, work follows me everywhere. Yeah, it's true. pretty fine. Yeah, and yeah. Poor Audrey has to deal with me answering emails at 10 at night and yeah. I'm editing scripts till for a fuck o'clock, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you, you, you spend a lot of time on your bike. You do a lot of your exercise commuting to and from work. Try to, yeah. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the only way I found that I could get all my training done while I was working full-time as well, was trying to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. So I, I was working in the city and I'd do a lot of my running on the way to or from work. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes sneak in something at lunchtime or yeah. get off early enough to go and do a session. But yeah, I think you've got to just find ways to save time. And yeah, if you can get your exercise done on the way to and from work, I've got a friend here who lives in Bondi, works at the ABC. She walks to work. and In Ultimo? Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour and a half. Yeah, probably. yeah. But, you know, saves driving to a gym, getting on a treadmill, yeah. driving home, all that sort of stuff. And it's, yeah, I think people need to realise that uh, it is not something that, 
you might add on to your day or add on to your week that it needs to be something planned into it. Something to think about. Something to think about. Where can we pencil in time to exercise? Especially with so many of us working from home, if, if you have a job where you can work from home. Yeah, where do you do that? Ben St. Lawrence continues to coach at Run Crew. If you want to listen to the full episode with Ben and I, uh, it's from 2017. It's a great listen. Just scroll back through the feed, you'll find it. I'll see you back here on Friday for a quick chat. And then Monday, we are back here with Campbell Walker. Uh, you may know him as Struthless69 from Instagram. So you go find Struthless69, get to know Cam, and I can't wait for you to can't wait for you to hear the chat on Monday. Have a fantastic couple of days. I'll see you on Friday until we speak then. Big thanks to Bruce Steele, who produced this episode, Andy Marr on audio production, Rachel Barrett, my EP of everything, and um, Toe Hider on the music. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 